The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. So, um, obviously, when we're doing our normal uh, podcast, we spend a lot of time reading the book. But actually, for side quests, usually we spend some time doing research about the subject that um, we're talking about, which means that it takes time and everything. And sometimes we just don't have the time to uh, to do some research. And that's why we're going to be introducing something that we're calling Casual Friday, which is basically we're going to be randomly talking about stuff without any kind of script or anything. And this is going to be the first one. Uh, just, yeah, and you, you'll just have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. We have no idea how long this is going to be. We have no idea where we're going to end up. We're just going to have a, a casual talk, and hopefully our listeners will yeah. find something interesting from it. Um, yeah, and, and joining us this time, I don't know if you can hear it, but it's, it's one of my girlfriend's dogs who, who might be running around trying to get attention in the background. So, uh, Well, I mean, I, if the dog knows anything about the Middle Ages, uh, let, it, let it have its, uh, its speak. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll see about that, and and you'll you'll perhaps you'll you'll hear her in the background dancing around on the hardwood floor. Uh, <laughs> I can so, I can definitely hear it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's it's basically just going to be us freestyling about something that that pops in our head. So uh, if if you don't like it, let us know. If you do like it, please also let us know. Or or if you have anything that you would like us to cover then then please give us suggestions exactly as long as it's not something that requires too much research because that that way it's going to be just an ordinary side quest we can we can definitely freestyle about just about anything but i i also like to do a little bit of research if if mm. i'm going to um to say something that you know i i i believe that this is the way it is but we'll see where where this goes yeah so, but Jacob, I, I saw that you uh, you've been been out shopping uh, recently. Well, not not really out, considering that we still have a pandemic. It's yeah, it's yeah. bought online. But yeah, I I decided that um, I was going to do a bit of retail therapy. You know, with with this whole thing happening and not spending any money on vacations and stuff like that, I figured I'd I'd buy myself some uh, some medieval costuming stuff. Um, that I've been having my eye on for a, a while. I I have plans to do some Dark Ages vampire costumes uh, of the various clans, and so I I went online to a shop here in Denmark and I bought some stuff, uh, including uh, a kettle hat, which is a kind of helmet. Um, I bought a padded coif, a belt, and two tunics. Yeah, I I just have to ask because I can't really tell from from the picture. But is is the kettle hat actually metal or is it? Uh... Is it some kind of, of LARP gear? No, no, it is 100% metal. It okay, is. Yeah. I don't know if it's carbon steel, if it's mild steel, mm -hmm. um, but it's made in India, so I'm thinking it's most likely mild steel, but it's not like I'm going to be using it for reenactment or anything. I don't foresee anyone smacking yeah. it. It's just going to be for costuming purposes. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just asking because there, there uh, are some, some like LARP gear made of, I'm guessing some kind of plastic or foam or something that that has started to look quite similar to to actual metal. So so you can you can never be sure really. But oh uh, yes, L LARP gear has come a long <laughs> way since I started. Uh, some of it is, I mean, the weapons obviously are still you can still very easily tell even with I think Kalamazoo is probably the ones that have the most realistic look, and even with them you can tell uh, which is something they they have to look like that for safety purposes. But yeah. with with armor, they even stuff that isn't out of metal is starting to look really really good, which is is nice if you want uh, cheap costuming because obviously metal is always going to cost more than, than non-metal. Yeah, and, and also if you, for some reason, like especially if you're just doing cosplay or, or dressing up and, and you don't actually need the armor to be structurally <laughs> defending your body, then, then walking around in, in a con or something with that usually gets quite hot because there's a lot of sweaty nerves around. Well, uh, then, also then where the, the convention takes place, I recall yeah. you running around uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, in full wool outfit. 
Yeah, and and the the heat wasn't really the problem. The humidity was, and oh god, the humidity. And, and, and it did it did work quite reasonably since since in the US they they overcharged their air conditioning, so so you could pretty much stand around anyways. But yeah, I, I'm not going to do that again. At least not in that outfit. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, there, there are some pretty cool. Uh, well, I'm not going to say fantasy, but but non non real uh, armors out there. But uh, but but yeah, it's uh, what what I think is is really cool is is that the uh, the the kind of of stuff that you can actually buy now is is starting to even uh, even if you're looking for like pure pure uh, historical stuff. That yeah, there there are of course always bespoke tailors and and um sutlers and stuff where you can buy like handmade stuff but that's going to be expensive because the the time that you put down on on making a a for example a 14th century jacket or something like that it's it's going to be you're not paying for the material you're paying for the for the work hours yeah so uh, we've we've mentioned this before and i think it it bears mentioning again uh in our day and age you pay for the time that the craftsmen spend doing something whether it's making clothing or whether it's a bricklayer or a builder or something whereas in the middle ages it was always the materials that were expensive and the work time of the people involved was was not uh, what you what you really paid for yeah exactly and and that has differed quite a lot recently and and everyone in the like in the in the nerd community it doesn't matter if you paint warhammer figures for for commissions or if you uh, do stuff on etsy or whatever you you know that people expect you to to not uh, not charge very much and and personally i i think that you should pay what it's worth and and in in a way that's actually why i think it's a good thing that you can get these um, cheaper uh, alternatives like for example from the stuff from india that uh that, that you can buy in, in many larp stores uh for example and and the fact that a lot of it is actually uh starting to look fairly good you you don't just have the the, the like cotton tunics and and the, the fake velvet uh cloaks and 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 stuff like that uh i i do notice when when looking at your stuff which i i i First of all, I, I really uh, like the fact that you got a padded coif because that's that's one of the things that people often miss when when they uh, when they buy protective gear is that you need the padding underneath. Yeah, I I have one, but that is uh, just a a skull cap that ties under the um, under the chin. Yeah. Uh, and I want I wanted one that that had the the stuff that goes on the shoulders as, as well because mm. that that fits more with the medieval aesthetic that I'm going for with the one that's tied underneath that's a bit earlier than that if I recall correctly. Yeah, it, it differs. It it kind of depends on what kind of helmet you had basically, and and some some helmets sometimes you you have helmets with um, the padding integrated in in the. Yeah. Uh, in the actual helmets, uh, that's usually when when you have a um, you can see a, a line of, of studs uh, going around the, the base of the the skull cap portion of the helmet. Uh, but but yeah, so so it's it's glad to see that you're taking care of your noggin, even if <laughs> you don't go for uh, for for actual fighting in this. Uh, there there's there are, there are just two things that I I would like to nitpick on if. If you don't mind, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, is is the one of your your tunics has uh, at least it looks like the, the uh, sleeves aren't uh, they aren't actually sewed on, but they are are attached with with points and. Uh, yes, and, that's and that's uh, one one of them has uh, in modern days you'd call it laces, but yeah, points um, which are then capped in in brass, which I thought just looked amazingly cool. Yeah, it it does look cool, and and points for for the points actually being uh, brass uh, pointed, which which they were. But the thing is, this I I don't know where it comes from. I'm guessing Hollywood, but but the the idea of uh, of taking the extra steps to uh, attach to to lace on your sleeves that was never a, a thing in the in the medieval times. Or you you do get. Kind of stuff like that uh, later on, like in in the 
uh, 1500s, but but in in the in, well, especially during the Dark Ages, but but even even later on in the in the 12th and 13th and 14th century, you basically never see this, uh, and and there are some reasons for that. One of them, uh, and this also kind of depends on where you live, is that it's it, it's quite cold uh, in because you you had what's called the the small ice age or little ice age in yeah. the, starting around the 1300s um, which was one of the reasons why the, the Black Death was so serious because not only was it a horrific disease but people were also malnourished uh, because uh, the, the harvest hadn't been been as bountiful as, uh, as they had been previously. Um, remember that, that even up in Scandinavia during the Bronze Age, you had wild grapes growing up here, uh, even in, down in, in Denmark and, and quite a long way up in Sweden. Mm, yeah. uh, so, so the climate actually changed. Uh, but, <laughs> but again, it's, it's one of these things that, that you, you, have, you, you take extra necessary steps. Uh, and, uh, and, and for some reason, just this adding on lacing on, on sleeves, uh, and and this isn't the worst offender, I must say. This is this is quite mild. But uh, well, one thing that I I just for some reason can't figure out why they want to do it, except that they think it looks cool, is when you have often a cotton shirt and you have laces down the sleeves of the shirt that feel no purpose whatsoever. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And, and and again, it's like if if that's what you want, and if 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 you think it looks cool, then then go for it. You you have kind of the same aesthetic with uh, with like 1990s rave pants where you have all these straps and buckles all, all over it. So I don't know. It's I guess it's something that that runs through the ages. But if if you want history historicity, then then that's not really what you're after. Uh, but but yeah, I like it. I like the colors and and the color schemes. Is it is it wool or what, what's it? What's the actual fabric? Uh, I can't remember actually off the top of my head if yeah. it's it's wool. I think it's it's um, I think it's some kind of woolen canvas or something. But I'm not ah. uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I can quickly check it. <laughs> yeah, to... well, I, I can ramble on while you <laughs> while you check it. But because that's that's the other thing if like a, a general buyer's tip if if you want clothes that aren't just fanciful dressing up here then then you really want wool because wool was the material that was wool and linen were, were the materials that were most readily available to uh, to people no it doesn't really matter what what kind of social class you you were if you were richer then you probably had access to like silks ah, and, and stuff are. like that um, it is it is a cotton canvas. It is a cotton canvas. Okay, yeah. So I, I wouldn't recommend wearing that when it's really cold because cotton uh, isn't... Um, I've, I've heard like um, American survivalist and outdoors freaks or uh, aficionados call cotton the fabric of death. <laughs> uh, because I, I I think it's because it sounds cool, but but the problem with cotton is that um, it, it's not a very good fabric for for keeping warmth in, especially if if it gets wet uh, and it doesn't transfer moist away from your body. So if you sweat a lot um, and then you get cold, then you're gonna uh, you, you're gonna get really chilled because uh, the the fabric doesn't uh, keep the heat. On the other hand. It's it's very light. It dries reasonably quick, uh, and at least nowadays, it's it's cheap. So if you just want something that looks cool, uh, or if it's in uh, a climate where especially heavier wool wouldn't be uh, suitable, then yeah, just go for it. It's 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 your body, so you you do whatever you want with it. Yeah, the plan uh, with this is is basically I'm I'm going to. Uh, if obviously if if I, I get into a situation where there's a a, a medieval LARP or a LARP or a medieval looking costume would be appropriate. I'm going to wear it. But otherwise, it was mainly for for cosplay purposes. I have this idea that I would really like to do um, 13 cosplays, one for each of the clans for Dark Ages Vampire. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and so it was a combination of I wanted to do that and I wanted to do a bit of retail therapy 
um, yeah. because of of, of yeah. COVID and everything. Um, yeah. So uh, so I I'm starting to plan out. I have a, I have my Gangrel costume um, all all done, um, and now I'm I'm working on my mind uh, in my mind on the other clans. So eventually I'm going to do. Uh, one cosplay for each of the 13 clans in, in Dark Ages. So, that, so that's going that's to be fun. That's an awesome project. And I, I don't know, I'm thinking if you could put something up on in the Facebook group, that would be really cool. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. I mean, um, yeah. if, if at some point, uh, I mean, right now the pictures are going to be taken uh, on a phone by my my wife. If at some point I can get someone with a good camera to to take the pictures, I'm even considering uh, getting the pictures nice and edited and everything, and then oh, make yeah. them available as uh, pictures on the Storytellers Vault. If anybody wants to include them in any books and stuff like that, um, yeah. but that it's 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 a, a lengthy project. But, yeah, um, we'll but, yeah. we'll have time. This pandemic isn't going anywhere soon. No, so you, I mean you no know, stress. yeah, and you know all about um, ordering ordering various uh, historical stuff as retail therapy yeah, <laughs> during this yeah, time, right? Don't, yeah, don't don't get me started on that. But but yeah, it's uh, I, I really love the project. And and if you want the input on on anything, just just let me know. Uh, but yeah, and and the other the other thing that I'm I'm just going to mention because I I just think it's uh, it just—it's it, an interesting thing. It's—it's um, it's the idea of of ring belts, which, which is basically you have a leather strap and then you have just a, a metallic ring uh, instead of a buckle, and and instead of having a, a prong that you uh, put through a hole in the belt, you you just tie it off. Uh, the thing is that as as far as I can tell, there is no historical evidence that that these have ever been around, really, uh, because if if you can fashion a ring. The, the step to adding a prong uh, isn't isn't really that difficult, uh, and you have you have basic be- belt buckles going back at least to the, to the Romans and and before that. Uh, so, but it's it's very handy uh, because you can you you don't need to adjust uh, or or you, you don't need to like measure where you need the holes or anything like that, and and they're they're easy to make. So I can see why they have. Uh, been a big thing in like the, the uh, beginners reenactor and LARPer and, and cosplay uh, community because if nothing else I, I think it's it's a matter of, uh, of of if you're like a salesperson at uh, at a medieval market or something and you need something fast and cheap to sell to a bunch of people then then it's really easy to to make belts like these but uh, it's it's just one of these things. They they look really good, but they they're not really historical. Um, and and I'm not complaining. I own at least one myself. Uh, so so I, I've I've been using them as well uh, when when I can get away with it. So, uh, but it's it's just one of those things that that um, uh, showed up one day. And and from what I can tell, no one really knows where it comes from. And <laughs> uh, and 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 people just accept them anyways and and it's it's quite interesting or at least me because i'm a nerd in that way uh, there are a few things that that are uh that that has been like i i'm i'm not sure how to how to put it but kind of like reenactment fashion that uh that has been going around um i i don't know if if it's something that people have thought about but uh for for quite some time it was it was quite fashionable in in the like reenactment community to um if if you were making uh simple tunics uh but th- these kind of knee length or, or longer or even if you were making a skirt uh it was w- one of the easiest ways to make them is is that basically you have just straight pieces of fabric and and then you um you put in gussets uh, in the middle uh, in uh, to to get some width uh, mm. in for for like the skirt part, uh, and for for quite some time it was very fashionable to have the gussets in a different color from from the other, uh, and and that can look really cool, uh, and uh, and and uh, it was uh, people like even the high end people like that that worked in museum and stuff like that did it. Uh, but again, it it doesn't seem to be an historical thing. There, there, most likely the reason why people did it is is because of uh, 
uh, misinterpretations when when there are in instead of a gusset there is a a slit and um, the different colored lining has been showing through so that it looks like it's a gusset with with a different color uh, but again it, it looks really cool and if you want to do it for your cosplay or whatever or, or larping then go for it but it's it doesn't seem to have been an historical thing uh, so yeah it's it's just one of those things that that pop up every now and then no yeah and I mean we we talk a lot uh, here about about history and historical accuracy and all that but there there are a couple of things to uh, to think about there and one of them is it is actually relatively limited how much we really know about uh, the Middle Ages because yeah. nobody really wrote any books about uh, the, uh, the 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 fashion of the day. So you have to go off whatever pictures you can find, and then uh, the 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 archaeological finds. And mm. at the same time. It, it, it there's no real reason to start getting all all elitist about it in the end yeah. what you want is something that that people can afford and that people can have fun with uh i mean as if you can get it close to being historical accurate that's cool and i mean if i if i were to run a dark ages larp i'd say i would probably try to as much as possible avoid looking all too high fantasy but at the same time I'm not going to make it a barrier what you can afford. Yeah. As long as you're yeah. not showing up in sneakers and jeans, then you can probably find something that works. I mean, um, I've, I've uh, in, in many uh, um, a cosplay picture where you can only just see my trousers, I've just worn sweatpants because as long as you have a, uh, a pair of, of trousers that is a single color and isn't obviously modern like jeans, for yeah, example, yeah. it works yeah. fine. Yeah, especially if you have something like a long tunic or, or a, a, a jupon or something over it, then, then it doesn't really matter. And and, and speaking of, of shoes, well, I've, I've never worn sneakers to, to a LARP or, or something, but uh, I, I seriously messed up my feet when when doing my military service. So, uh, yeah, so, so uh, basically I, I walked too much and I carried too heavy stuff, so... So I, I started getting stress fractures in the uh, in the bones of, of uh, my feet. Uh, so so I'm I'm kind of picky when uh, picky when it comes to uh, the kind of, of shoes I wear. Uh, so if if I can get away with wearing comfortable like marching boots or anything like that, I'm I'm going to do it. Uh, and especially when it comes to historical footgear, uh, then then that can be either really expensive to buy. Uh, proper stuff or if you're making it yourself it can be rather difficult so so especially when it comes to it to to feet where uh, i i say go with what your body feels is comfortable uh, and and in general yeah like like you say we there we we don't really know everything about it and and what i feel can be a problem is when when you you like say that it has to be either or because even if we find even if we have an archaeological find we don't know if if that's a one-off if that's a a like a, a gag thing that someone made or or if it was something really fancy or if it was something that was uh, something that that everyone had and that's the reason that we can't find more of it because it was just something that everyone had and and when it was worn through it was just thrown away because people back then knew that i can just buy a new one um and and you have uh and and you must remember that even even back way back when people did things just for laughs and uh and and just to to be funny and poignant and uh, and and being just look at me, uh, for example, in in um, England or in in Britain, the British Isles, uh, in I think it's in the 1500s, you you started having um, a fashion that you should have some kind of of motto uh, on your daggers, so you can have everything from from or knives in general. You you can have. Uh, tiny like folding pocket knives that says "Be Merry," uh, or uh, or you can have like uh, bollock daggers that has like "For God and Country" and stuff like that. 
uh, and there there is at least one dagger that has the the motto "Eat cheese or die" on it. And <laughs> um, so so again, I I'm not saying that that everyone in the 1500s. I think it's from Scotland, so that might be. But I, I'm not saying that everyone in in Scotland wore a dagger that that said "Eat cheese or die." Uh, but but again, at least someone did. So yeah. if you want to if you want to have something similar like eat cheese and die because you're lactose intolerant, I would say that that would be perfect for for the same kind of area era. Um, so so I'm like for me when it comes to to reenacting uh, reenactment and and making costumes or or outfits, um, for for me it's it's about making something that that could have been around back then. So for example. I'm not going to put pockets in in my 13th century outfits because you didn't have pockets back then. Uh, but on on the same time, if if I want to to have like the the skirt of of the jacket being a bit longer or a bit shorter because I think that looks better or that's what I want, then then I'm not going to be like restricted by the fact that that most people back then had shorter or longer jackets or whatever uh, because you never know what like what if you inherited your dad's jacket and he was shorter than you were so the sleeves are a bit short or or doesn't fit properly uh, and and also when it comes to uh, to making stuff i i cheat as often as i can get away with like i i have hand sewn entire outfits and I don't really like it that much. It's, it's especially if you're making linen shirts. It's really, really boring because it's just the same stitching all over again, and then you have to hem the folds, and it's the same stitching for for literally yards. You can the the, the hemming uh, a tunic. It can be especially or, or a gown. It it can be meters, literally meters, because they're they're so wide because you need the the leg space. Uh, or cloaks is the same. Uh, so I, I do actually, one of the things that I do by hand is actually hemming because those seams can actually be seen. But but all of the like the interior, the structural stuff that keeps everything together, I do it on a sewing machine because it's, it's so qu- quick and easy and and no one is going to notice it anyway. No, so, and the thing is, if they had a sewing machine back then, they yeah, would have used it. They used it, yeah, they, exactly. So, so I see no point. Again, if it's if it's something you want to do because you're like, yeah, I want to do, I want to make this this hat or this whatever from scratch just to to get the experience of it. Go for it. It's it can be, it it's an accomplishment that you're gonna be proud of for as long as as you can remember. Uh, but at the same time, if if you're like me and you're making your 15th pair of, of linen underwear that no one is hopefully going to see. Uh, or then, hopefully then, are going to see, depending on who it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking that in those situations, they're probably not going to, to bother about the scenes too much <laughs> anyway. So, but, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, that do, do what feels right for you. And I much rather see someone at the LARP or at the con or a reenactment or something that has finished their outfit uh, because they used the sewing machine or or because they... they I feel that they, they cheated is the wrong word, but they took a shortcut or, or they, made, they made the solution that worked for them. I much rather see them showing up in, in gear they actually made than that person staying at home because they didn't have time to finish everything by hand. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, just going back to the the thing you said with the mottos and everything, um, that reminds me that there's, I mean, I think it's important for people to realize, we've mentioned this before, and I think it bears mentioning again that, that the people of the Middle Ages, they weren't that different from us. Uh, yeah. I think that there has been, and that's it's it's it has fortunately changed a lot, but there has been this idea of making the Middle Ages um, sort of just the Victorian age but brown and dirty with everybody, everyone being very formal and very correct and everything. But they, they like you said, they would have mottos and they would have uh, funny mottos on their stuff. And I, we've talked about the Bollock Dagger being basically yeah. a, a 
a knob joke. joke. Yeah. Yeah. And and little things like, for example, the name Tiffany uh, existed in the Middle Ages. That's one of my my favorite sort of things that that you should know. It's it's uh, a an English version of I think Theophanes or something like that, a Greek name. So you can actually have someone in the Middle Ages named Tiffany. Yeah. And this idea that they were they were dirty all the time. No, 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 no. Mm. Bathhouses were a big thing. It wasn't yeah. until you had um, you had the discovery of um, of the Americas and they brought over syphilis, uh, mm. which caused this sort of um, uh, thing where ooh, sex is bad because it brings along disease that you suddenly started seeing bathhouses disappear because bathhouses were also a way for men and women to see each other naked and people were used to seeing each other naked because among other things well naked or uh, semi-naked women had to breastfeed their children and they couldn't just say oh, i'm going to pop in somewhere and, and do it in private so seeing breasts was nothing unusual and people knew about sex as well uh, if you were living anywhere where there were uh, animals, be it uh, on a farm or if you were in a city where they kept animals inside, you would know what the animals were doing from time to time. Yeah. And people also had sex outside of marriage, not just cheating on each other, but also if a couple, uh, mainly a non-noble couple, but if a couple were engaged to be married, then it was okay for them to have sex because the engagement was as good as a marriage. So if you had the son and daughter of a pair of craftsmen and they got engaged, nobody was going to bat an eyelid if the young man sought out the young woman's bedchamber. Yeah, exactly. And and speaking of, of the... Yeah, of basically everything you just said, um, there there um, there's a thing called Book of Hours, which was basically prayer books connected to the canonical hours where you had to, uh, had to pray... Um, in in Catholicism, uh, and uh, a lot of these books were very richly uh, illustrated. And there's one, and please excuse my French, called "Tres Rich Heures de Duc de Berry," uh, which means the very rich hours of the Duke of Berry, uh, which is uh, a fantastically illustrated um, book from uh, the 1400s. I think it's yeah, it's from the uh, uh, it's it's actually from the early 1400s. So the the guy who uh, um, uh, who commissioned it died in sometime around 1410, 1420, something like that. And and it has uh, it, it has these these uh, pictures from both uh, everyday life, like you have uh, uh, illustrations of of farmers, and you have illustrations of of very fancy people having. Uh, like uh, feasts and everything, and and in in one of them you can actually I think it's one of the first ones you can see uh, a guy dressed in a fantastic uh, he he's wearing a, a blue uh, gown I think it's it's probably a hoopland that would be called and he has one uh, white uh, um, hose and one green because it was kind of a fashion to have. Um, to to have different colors uh, on different sides, uh, mi parti if it's one uh, if it's one piece of, of cloth like a, a jacket where one side is is one color and the other side is the other color. Uh, but what he's he's also wearing is uh, is a belt pouch uh, which is kind of I think the polite way to describe the shape would be kidney shaped. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. um, it 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 could look like something else. And more importantly. He's he's wearing a ballock dagger with with quite prominent uh, ballocks, and and the uh, the the way it's illustrated at least uh, it it looks like he's wearing it straight over his crotch and the handle so the actual knob part of of the the dagger is is straight out ninety degrees straight out, <laughs> uh, and he's doing this in a very fancy feast and and you can even see uh, it's because often it it says I can't read it because it's too small but uh, in this in these manuscripts you often had like uh, captions over like o- over the important people so you had like the bishop of this and that or the prince of so apparently it was. It, it was acceptable to wear your dagger as uh, as a strap-on uh, in very fancy 
uh, companies. So, so yeah, it like people back then like dick jokes. People have always liked dick jokes. Um, there's there's another picture from speaking of, of of shared nudity. There's another picture from from the same book um, that has. Uh, it's actually quite cool because it in in the background you have. Uh, like this this wintry landscape and you can see someone cutting firewood from a tree and and another person is uh, uh, is is driving a donkey to a city and then you see a building that that is is kind of a cutaway so so one wall is missing and you can see inside and you see uh, three people uh, two women and a man and they're sitting uh, next to a fire warming themselves and one of the women and and the man is uh, they they have hiked their um, their skirts or, or tunic for for the man up to to basically warm their groins and none of them are wearing underwear uh, which you can so you, you can see their private parts quite uh, obviously um, and and like this is this is in a book in in a religious book commissioned by a duke. And I, I, I'm not going to say that that the Duke specified uh, specified that he wanted uh, uh, that he wanted peasants showing up the private parts in his book, but apparently but the illustrator probably knew his audience. Yeah, and and just the fact that the illustrator thought that yeah, okay, let's we we want something pastoral and and hardworking peasants. Yeah, okay, but just let them show off their 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 groins because the Duke <laughs> is going to love it. Just the fact that that. An illustrator who worked, a professional who worked like this, thought that. Not, I'm not even going to say that get away with it, but like you said, that yeah, the, the person who who uh, commissioned it is going to enjoy it. Yeah, sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in. Uh, yeah, and it sorry. shows how people were back then. And yeah, and are. people might might wonder, you know, but what does the church think of that? And the church in in the Middle Ages wasn't. The, the church of, of later days, the church in the Middle Ages tended to be rather pragmatic. And I mean, the church, their focus was on preventing sin. And it wasn't a sin for a man and woman to lie together if they were married or engaged to be married. It wasn't a sin for a man and a woman to see each other naked um, if they weren't married, unless it led to sinful thoughts. And even if it led to th sinful thoughts, that wasn't as bad as sinful acts. If you had a sinful thought, you could go and confess, and then that wasn't a problem. So so the church didn't really worry about these things because the church also knew and acknowledged um, human nature. They were far more worried about things like heresy, which we spoke about at length in our, in, in our previous episode, and they were much more worried about um, people killing each other and trying to find a way to prevent all of these knights from running around uh, fighting. They, they had bigger problems with tournaments than with bathhouses. Yeah, and, and remember that the, the whole idea of Christianity is that your sins can be forgiven. Yeah. So, so that's kind of like one of the running points is that, yeah, of course, you, it's, it's best if you don't sin. But even if you do, remember that your sins can be forgiven. I'm, I'm just looking through this, this, uh, this book to see if there are any pictures of, of naughty nuns or, <laughs> or monks or bishops. Because, again, like in the, the, the idea of, of misbehaving clergy um, is a big thing during this time. You, you have everything from, from like... Um, uh, greedy bishops in in the stories of of Robin Hood, uh, many different kinds. You uh, and and uh, also it's it's quite interesting. It's it's often that the like like the higher ups, the abbots and and the, the uh, abbesses, uh, uh, they're they're often portrayed as as kind of like vicious or cruel or greedy. But the nuns and the friars and the monks could could often be more jovial and um, and kind of more more of the people so to yeah speak. like but, friar chuck in in yeah Robin exactly Hood. exactly and and you have in in a lot of i can't remember what he's usually called but but you have uh you have evil bishops in in many robin hood stories uh, and a, if you want a more modern example uh, the Bishop of Bath and Wells in uh, uh, in Blackadder, um, the baby-eating bishop, bishop of Bath and Wells. Wells. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, by the way, Blackadder. Just uh, if, if people haven't uh, watched that, highly recommendable. Skip the first uh, season 
and then watch the the second, third, and fourth season, and then you can go back and watch the first season if you want to. But Blackadder is pretty yeah. damn amazing and yeah. has some surprising historical accuracy for what is basically a, a comedy series that usually features no more than three or four actors. Yeah, and and fantastical outfits like like the the Blackadder uh, from from season two where it's uh, it, it's set during the. Um, the the uh, reign of Elizabeth the first like his outfit if I could find someone to make that for me for for money I could afford I I would love it uh, and uh, but yeah it's it's a great show but and and I I would actually for for those who want some some really good but kind of unrefined comedy the the first season is is really fantastic because uh, you you have uh, uh, you you have Brian Blessed uh, as one of the actors. Uh, I yeah, think it's and, a that that's how you have to pronounce his name. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there's there's no other way to say say his name. Uh, and and I mean anything that Brian Blessed is in is uh, is worth watching. Yeah. Even uh, Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, well, it, Gordon's alive. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but but yeah, just just getting back to the to uh, to the North Nansen. Uh, and uh, and sinning uh, friars and stuff like that. Basically, I think it's it's at least three characters in the Canterbury Tales who are religious people and and not really good at it, so to speak. Uh, so uh, so you have a nun and you have a friar and do we have a bishop in the Canterbury Tales? I need to look that up. But but again, like people back then, just just the way that we joke about like politicians being being hypocrites and stuff like that. You, you had the same thing back then and uh, and and like we we do have quite a lot of of uh, paintings and and these um, stone effigies of dead rich people because they put them on especially in, in England it's quite common but oh yes they, very very common have, if if you want if you want source materials for for armor of the period then the uh, then, then the burial effigies uh, of of knights is a great source. Uh, but, but even if you look at them, you notice that the 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 idea of things being perfect that we have kind of today, like like if you were buying a pair of pants today, and one of of the pant legs were like half an inch longer than the other, you probably wouldn't buy them. Uh, but but or you'd buy then, them at a reduced price. Yeah, exactly. You'd buy them at a, at a reduced price. But but back then people really didn't care about it, and and you can see this in in the effigies, even on armor, which if like tailor made or not not tailor, but but handmade, hand fitted armor that that a rich person bought specifically for for him. Um, that even even those you can see like like. In the effigies, when when the armor has been depicted uh, in in stone, and and so the the stone worker could easily fix these things, you can still see like like in uh, on on the buckles that keep things together, you can have like uh, that they're not symmetrical uh, from from like one leg to the other, or you can see that that uh, there are different rivets in the same buckle holding the same buckle in place. Because most likely that's what the uh, the armor maker uh, had made. Because like yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna okay. We we need one buckle here, and then it's gonna be at about the same place on the other leg. Uh, and let's use these rivets. Oh, I I didn't have enough, so I'm just gonna take a, a, a different rivet. But it's it's still gonna do its job. And and people didn't care about it because it wasn't important. This this incredible fixation with with symmetry and everything having to be completely perfect wasn't really a thing back then and and to me that's that's one of the things uh when when i do things and and it's it's probably one of the reasons why i'm i'm not a huge fan of of like the things you bought because everything is so perfect it's so good like, <laughs> like even if you're just buying a simple shirt or a tunic or or a jacket or whatever it it kind of looks too good. So um, and and I've bought stuff as well. I'm I'm not like I don't think it's a bad idea. But what I often do with with stuff as I buy is is to try to make it my own in in 
some way like I, I'm gonna patch it or I'm gonna alter it slightly and, and stuff like that because if 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 you want to see like the big difference between 1900s and or the 20s and 2000s and 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 like the medieval times it it wasn't that we they didn't have mass mass production back then so so things would look different they, they would uh, they would even if you have like someone who is just making the same pair of shoes or the same kind of shoes or belt buckles or whatever they would still look slightly different so, yeah. so if you want if you want like an, an advice on how to like the easiest shortcut on on how to make things more authentic just make something make, make a mistake and, yeah, and, and you, you can, can cover it up but make sure that the mistake is still there because yeah. that's what people did back then and you can you can translate that uh, into um, things other than than clothing. You mentioned armor, but mm. armor and weapons. I mean, I th- I don't think you can um, overestimate just how much uh, metallurgy and production has changed from the Middle Ages until now. I have a couple of of reenactment practice swords. I have an arming sword and I have a, a messer. Uh, which are both made out of uh, high carbon steel. I don't know exactly. I think it's like either 1095 or something like that. If I were to take those swords back to the medieval period, um, my swords would be vastly, vastly better than even the best sword of a king. They would be at a level where they would probably think it was magic. They they would most likely think that my sword and messer were magical weapons. And the same thing with armor. Um, yeah. I have I have a, a spangelhelm. I have the uh, kettle hat that I mentioned. I have um, I have a um, a great helm in the the later style. Uh, all three of these also made out of high carbon steel. Mm. If I were to take them back, no weapon would be able to penetrate them basically because back then helmets were made out of iron. Um, armor was made out of iron until yeah. like the very latest end when they started making making iron out of uh, sorry iron out of <laughs> yeah. armor out of steel and and even then it was mild steel and the weapons were mild steel but didn't matter because they were going up against mild steel yeah, but yeah, exactly. but so weapons i mean swords would be chipped up after a battle and they would need refinishing armor would constantly need repair uh, and constantly need to um to be scoured um, so that they wouldn't rust because things were were different. The one thing they did have back then uh, was uh, the equivalent of power hammers, which I find really interesting. They had trip hammers driven by water wheels, which, um, like so many other things, originated in monasteries. Monasteries were really like centers of innovation. There is, uh, and and the the sizes of these could could, uh, differ from like very small ones to... The really big ones that you used for for basically pre-industrial uh, mass production of, of different things like where where I grew up and where I, I worked uh, it, because my my mom mom ran the place was uh, uh, in a place called Österbebruk in in northern Uppland and uh, it's the site of the only uh, preserved uh, Vallon forge. Uh, which included one of it, and and what the Valens did, they, they um, uh, or the Valens Smiths uh, from uh, from Valonia, obviously, but in the 1600s and and for a couple of hundred years, uh, Sweden imported quite a few of them because they were really good at uh, mass producing uh, bar iron, uh, and which which was basically the the half finished raw material that that you then made stuff from, but. But it's it's the same today that that you kind of if if you're if you have a, a carpentry factory making wooden chairs you don't deliver just logs to to the, that place you first make them into timber and in, into uh, like planks and stuff like that and it's the same when you make things out of metal it's that the the factory who makes the knives or or stamps or whatever they they don't want a bunch of iron ore they want uh, refined stuff. Uh, and so, so for these, uh, for for this uh, uh, process, uh, what you do is basically you, you first you melt down the ore, and then it's going to be a lot of slag and 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 uh, pollution in it. So you need to hammer that out, and then you hammer it into uh, what basically looks like about three feet, one meter long, uh, about an inch, half an inch thick uh, 
banks, about two or no more, about four inches wide, uh, and and so you could easily transport those. Uh, and and to to work them, you had these huge, huge hammers driven by water wheels. Uh, and uh, about a decade ago, they they renovated it so that it could actually run. And when it starts oh. running, the the I think the hammerhead weighs a couple of hundreds uh, hundred of kilos. Uh, I can look that up if if people are interested. Seriously, but, dude, the next the next time I'm visiting you, I want to go there and see that. Yeah, we we can do it. Unfortunately, they don't run it that often because it's oh. it's uh, uh, it takes expertise that isn't readily available anymore. Unfortunately, but yeah, it's it's really cool, and we will go there. Uh, so so yeah, you you have these uh, processes of of kind of yeah, it's it's pre-industrialism or proto-industrialism, but but it's it's uh, to to cheapen the labor or, or to to be rest, less reliable on manual labor uh, and you also had like um uh well, what's it called in english the the, the grinding wheels uh yeah. driven by by water um but i i just wanted to mention again with with the armors that uh, and and steel uh i i commissioned a piece uh or or a pair of uh, uh of leg or uh, sorry um arm what, what do you call them not uh, van braces yeah van braces uh, and uh, and since I'm a lace person and I don't have a squire or, or a servant to do it for me, uh, I don't want to spend too much time cleaning and, and oiling and, and rubbing the rust away. So I had them made in stainless steel. Yeah, uh, and I mean, going back to what we started with, that is obviously absolutely fine because who the hell's going to tell the difference between stainless yeah. steel and mild steel when yeah. that's what you're running around with? I mean, Yeah, exactly. You, you can't really tell and it saves me a bunch of work which i really yeah the think. problem would be if you needed to use it in in what's called um battle of the nation style fighting uh, you know full metal fighting where it would actually have to stop a blow then that would be a problem but since i i don't think you're planning on doing full metal combat anytime no, soon at, at least at least not that kind of but but the, it's it's thick enough and sturdy enough and you stainless steel isn't necessarily weaker than than uh, other kinds of steel so so it, it will work for for reenactment it's it's made uh, to uh, to historical uh, specifications so mm. It, it it will work, but again, I don't need to spend time uh, wiping the, the sweat and the rust away from it, or I, I don't have to spend as much time. Rather, <laughs> uh, yeah. But but yeah, again, like do do what you want, and and there are really no no wrongs, or well, yeah, you can do wrongs, but but for for me, it's like as long as I'm aware that the thing that I'm wearing or building or creating isn't necessarily one hundred percent accurate. Then, then for me it doesn't matter because if someone asks about it, I can always just tell them that yeah, it's it's I've I've changed this because I think it looks cooler, um, and and even if like like we kind of mentioned with with the daggers with the uh, with the phrases on it, in in some cases it can actually even if you have uh, something that is based one on on something that is historical, it can still be kind of wrong uh, because. Um, there was, it's probably still around, but it, it was a, a very nice ring that was found on the <coughs> island of Gotland uh, that was kind of made into, it, it was um, from the 1300s, I'm thinking, uh, and it was so cool and so iconic that uh, it, it was, uh, it started to get mass produced and you get different qualities of, uh, of it as well. You can get the, like the cheap brass ones or you can get fancy ones with with uh, silver or gold and it has a uh, uh, crystal in it uh, so you can get like everything from a glass crystal to to an actual crystal in it mm. uh, and and it's very popular and it's kind of you can get it pretty much everywhere uh, but so so you can see a lot of people wearing it the thing is that the original was probably something that someone the rich own so unless you're portraying someone of, of that social class, you shouldn't really be walking around with that kind of ring. So, so it it, it kind of works that way around. That that e even if the the original is something historical and was around back then, not everyone would have access to it. So the fact that a lot of people now have it, it isn't historical. I'm not complaining about it. I'm I'm just pointing out that that even if the the artifact itself is is historical. 
in in your portrayal you can still be off by by having the the historical artifact yeah. so so it's also something it's 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 a swamp it's it's a mess it's a labyrinth it's very hard to to figure out what it is so which again is why i say go with what you feel like especially uh, if you're if you're doing something like uh dark ages vampire mm-hmm. osmagica any kind yeah, of yeah. of historically based uh role playing game that is not like for example if i were to bring out gerps uh, middle ages and say okay yeah, we're b- yeah. playing specifically in the middle ages then you want to go for as much accuracy as possible mm. but i mean if you start including vampires wizards whatever then obviously you can you can change things around uh as long as we've mentioned this before as long as you you mm. think about what the changes means but i mean you can have someone who was embraced a peasant might still be wearing lower class clothing but now they're a vampire they have somehow access to more resources they might then wear the ring and it's not really going to be a problem yeah exactly and and the same goes for for fashion or like styles of clothes like who who who's to say that in the world of darkness for some reason it wasn't uh there wasn't a time period where where people wore color combinations or style of clothes that wasn't around in the real world because it isn't the real world so you shouldn't be restricted by real world uh historical facts or information or whatever because like like you said as soon as you throw in vampires and and werewolves and stuff like that Historical accuracy is already out the window, so so yeah, I I would what, stay away sorry. just just as a personal personal preference. I would stay away from from the like the the black studded leather armor. Uh, oh because yes, <laughs> please please yeah. please anything that resembles biker leathers, please yeah, stay away exactly. from that. So, but but again, like if that's what you want, this if that's the aesthetic you're going for, then then. Do, but but be aware that it's it's not historical and and that's that doesn't have to be a bad thing like but at the same yeah. time I mean I I would imagine someone would do that because uh, a combination of they've seen it uh, in in various movies TV shows and they think they look cool it looks cool and I'm just thinking <sighs> there are so many other things that could look even cooler in yeah, my opinion yeah. um, and that's that's the thing I mean um, when you're doing this sort of thing, yes, don't let yourself be restricted by historical accuracy. But at the same time, there are so many cool things that are historically accurate. Yeah. And if you learn about those, either because you study or because you listen to people like us ramble on, or if you watch various YouTube uh, YouTubers who do historical stuff, you may come across something that you just go, holy crap, that is so amazingly cool. I can use this and at the same time have it be historically accurate. Yeah. That's that's the thing that, that really gets me going is if I find some relatively obscure historical fact that I can then incorporate and go, oh wow, this 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 makes it even cooler. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's actually a really good advice that, that there is enough cool things cool stuff in general from the from the medieval period and and from any time period that you don't necessarily need to to make things up because the the things that is available is is cool enough already uh and uh and and especially when it comes to to like weapons and armor uh, even even during the uh, during the time period where you had to wear uh especially armor of course uh to, to save your life, even back then you still had things that people used just because it was cool, or, or at least like details on something. Uh, and I'm not I'm not just talking about like decorated armor that that uh, that, that are functional armor, but it's made it's made pretty with with engravings or, or gold inlays or whatever. But but you have things that you you look at. And you realize that, yeah, this you, you could probably make this more practical, but then it wouldn't be as cool. And the person who bought it obviously went more for cool than practical. And in, in when it comes down to it, you're the one who's going to wear it. And if, if, if you prioritize coolness over survival, then, yeah, that's good on you, man. Like... Like it's, yeah, I mean, it's your choice. Um, uh, for example, a supercar is yeah. 
hellishly unpractical. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing practical about one of those 10, 25 million dollar supercars that can break speed records at the Nuremberg ring and mm. whatever. But damn, don't they look cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and again, when it comes to, to, to armor, most like like the, the chance or the risk or however you want to put it, that you're actually going to use it is is kind of small or, or kind of slim. So if, if you just if you're just buying something that you know that I'm probably going to wear this a lot, but I'm probably not going to fight in this. But because again, actual fighting, like it, it wasn't a, a bloody battle every single day, and people didn't get killed every. Well, they did, but for other reasons. Like <laughs> for anyone who has served in the military knows knows the the, the phrase uh, "hurry up and wait," and oh, that yes. hasn't changed for since since warfare began sometime in the Stone Ages. Uh, like most of the time, uh, a soldier or a warrior isn't actually fighting. So if you can have a helmet that is slightly lighter, uh, or or if you can have an armor that is less restrictive, uh, but again, you might lose out on a bit of protectability, uh, protectiveness, however you want to put it, <laughs> then you probably would want to do it uh, because it's, like like the the amount of comfort that that you get instead of it is probably gonna outweigh it uh, a lot. And if yeah. you actually do get killed, you probably were going to get killed, even if you had a slightly better armor or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All this talk about costumes and everything has realized uh, just how much I miss LARPing and conventions. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. my, I'm hoping that once all of this is over, I can mm-hmm. I can start going. I have plans. Um, for any anyone in America who's who's listening, I definitely have plans to return one last time to DragonCon in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm either it's going to be in 22 or 23. Um, just one last trip back there. That it is an amazing convention, so much fun. Uh, I know a lot of people there. Mm. One of our favorite bands plays there, yeah. um, and you, I mean. Just going there and, and getting into a couple of costumes, hanging out with American friends, that would be awesome. So uh, watch this space if you're an American listener uh, and you want to go to a convention because it could be kind of fun to uh, to meet those few listeners that we we don't really know. I mean, I know most of the listeners are, are friends and acquaintances of ours, um, but, but hopefully we can get more and more who aren't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, if, if we go, I, I'm, I think... 2022 might be a bit too optimistic considering yeah, same here. well but but yeah if, if like w- when we go there we're going to tell you so if you want to meet up we'll we'll probably be down at the crew shadows booth <laughs> definitely and i i'm i'm really looking forward to like larp starting up again yeah. i i want to i want to do some especially vampire larping but just larping where i get to dress up in cool hopefully somewhat historical costumes and i'm i'm also working on a larp myself um we have a we have a friend who is very very good at getting venues and she's promised me a a really cool uh, venue, so I'm I'm working on a relatively big LARP that hopefully I'll be able to run in in sometime in in 22 or 23. Excellent, that that sounds really cool, and I I'm looking forward to like yeah just being able to visit people. Uh, but but yeah, is uh, I I don't know if if we anyone is still listening because we've been going <laughs> on for for quite some time. Uh, I I will be putting up uh, the the pictures from the book of hours, or I can throw up a few pictures, uh, or you can just Google it. But I'll, I'll throw up some pictures as well uh, because some of them are, are really interesting uh, and and again like good inspiration for for how you want to do uh, stuff. Uh, if if you for some reason uh, has been inspired to make a, a early 1400s outfit. <laughs> yeah, um, or if you've been inspired to, I don't know, sit around in a cabin showing off your crutch. Um, I'm not judging anyone here. Uh, Just make sure but, that everyone in in the cabin is uh, is okay with it. Yeah, uh, but I think, uh, like you said, we've rambled on for for quite uh, 
quite a while. Um, if people think that this is an interesting uh, topic, then uh, interesting topic, interesting way of doing stuff, um, please let us know because we can do Casual Friday again. I, uh, as as we've proven once, Peter and I get talking, we can talk for an hour or more. <laughs> yeah. um, otherwise, you know, we're still looking for topics on on side quests. Um, we have some, but once again, it it does require some some research, and we won't always have time for that. Uh, if you have anything that you think could be interesting. For us to cover in a side quest, don't hesitate to let us know via the usual channels, uh, Facebook, Discord, whatever. Um, and obviously, every other week, we're still going to be doing the books. Uh, I can't actually remember what the name... Oh, yeah, that's um, the Salubri book is the next one yeah. we're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's going to be interesting. So, Peter, do you have any last comments? No, again, I, I just want to thank our listeners because it's it's been really fun to to be doing this podcast and to actually see that people are listening to it. Uh, it feels great. Uh, so yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah, um, and with that, it is farewell from me, Jacob, and from me, Peter. See you next time. Bye.